Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Three guys, three decades, three perspectives. Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Me and My Cousins podcast. Angelo Gingerelli coming at you this week. Flying solo. Had to send Kenny and Mike back to the kids' table. Uh, <laughs> I'm super excited about, and I want to take this one off for myself. One of my favorite artists and my favorite genre of music. And we get to him in a second, but before we get started with him, uh, just remember this episode is brought to you by Bean Mug and Coffee Co. It's a small batch coffee company out of Point Pleasant, New Jersey. They feature unique blends inspired from the Jersey Shore, and every month they feature a single origin coffee from around the world. For the month of September, they just introduced pumpkin spice coffee because you knew it was coming. Use, use promo code COUSINS10, that's C-O-U-S-I-N-S-1-0, for 10% off your total offer at checkout. Bean Mug and Coffee, the roast from the coast. Nice. All right, man. I have, I'm a 30-year hip-hop head. I jumped into hip-hop in 1990. It's 2020. I've ne- I like other genres of music. I respect other genres of music. But nothing gets me going like a, like a rapper that could just spit bars. And that's three decades into this, right? And what yeah. I always loved about hip-hop, and maybe love it more now than I did back in the 90s, was it's still regional. Everything you hear is globalization. The world's small now. Hip-hop remains regional, right? As a kid, before I ever went to California, I felt like I knew about L.A. because of NWA, right? Uh-huh. I'd never been to Miami, but I knew about Two Live Crew. And Outkast made me feel like I'd been to Atlanta. Our yeah. guest tonight... If you've never been to the Jersey Shore, will make you feel like you know the Jersey Shore. There's so many talented musicians at the Jersey Shore, but I think if you if you ask me who should you listen to to get a vibe for what goes on in Ocean and Monmouth County and all our beach towns, I'm telling you, it's this guy. On top of that, he's one of the most versatile artists I've ever seen. On a Thursday, I was with my man Rodney Corsi from Garden State Hip Hop at Asbury Hip Hop Fest, and he was crushing that stage. Four nights later, I was with my family, my whole family, my dad, my stepmom, my wife, and my daughter, and him and Ewald are crushing for a family show out in Seaside Heights Boardwalk. There's nobody else that I know of that could do that, crush a hip-hop crowd on a Thursday, come out on a Sunday, and bring three generations of my family, and everybody like it. Like, my dad was like, I like them, and my daughter was like, sure shot, where are you? Because that's your favorite song uh, yeah, from your album. Wow, we got the little girl kicking off the song. She loves the music just like me and my dad do. So without further ado, I want to welcome Sure Shot to the Me and My Cousins podcast. Sure Shot, what's going on, man? Bro, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the intro, Ange. I really appreciate it, man. He's not uh he's not BSing. My man is at all the shows. He he's uh he's a you're a firm supporter and you know, a lot of people just say that you're a doer. You're always you're always coming to the shows asking about when the projects are coming. So I, I appreciate that aspect and and uh just you know uh, i'm I, I really do i sincerely wholeheartedly appreciate it man we don't have many that that do that so um you know you know you know who your fans are and you know who your support group is so thank you for that i truly truly appreciate it yeah man i always say uh we have so many people online that say they do it for the culture right but yeah. when the, the culture happens down the street from them and they don't come out of their house i yeah. will never understand that as long as i live everybody wants to scream jersey doesn't have a hip-hop scene but when there's hip-hop shows you don't go you sit in your house and tweet about there's not a hip-hop scene i am just so off that and think whatever you like if you like something that's kind of you know a certain genre of music certain kind of comedy when it comes to your town you got to go you got to go support it or it's never going to come back am i right absolutely you're right you're totally right and uh you know as it's been a struggle for me for a long time i'd say since probably uh, for the past 15, 
15 years, it's always been a struggle. Sometimes you feel like you're running in, in circles, rap, you know, like rap wise, whether it's going to a hip hop event here or there and opening up for a bigger act and being on a list of rosters with 15 people, 15 MCs. Sometimes it's like, you know, like uh, you really got to stand out. There's a lot of us and everybody's everybody's friend can rap. Everybody's friend can DJ. Everybody's friend can, you know, do a lot. You know, like every everybody's a star, so to speak, sort of like that Roots record. So it's... um. You know, you really, really got to just be buttoned up, man. You know, logistics and touring was never my specialty. But as I built relationships over the years with different people, um, new, you know, new, new, st new stuff opened up. And the more that I had musicians around me, uh, the more, you know, the more prone I was getting, you know, like a, a, a booking and not having to worry about it being wrapped because there was a music uh, there was a music element in it that they weren't used to seeing. So, you know. Yeah, man. I think let's go back to that. You said it's been a struggle to to get people out to shows for 15 years. Go back to 15 years ago. When do you start rapping? What first? What draws you to hip hop as a fan? And when do you decide? Oh wait, I can I can do that. Um, I was always writing uh, writing other people's rhymes when I was younger. When I was when I was a kid, uh, I was obsessed with the Wu Tang Clan. Um, I was I was a boot camp fan, but more of a Wu Tang Clan, uh, more of a Wu Tang fan. And it was um. It, you know, like the stuff that my brothers were listening to was seeping into me quick. And, uh, you know, I, I, my mom was more gospel, bringing me up on gospel, taking me to churches all over the place. And I was always um, I, I always had gospel in my heart. And when, um, you know, like when I guess uh, I, I would say run DMC, Beastie Boy era type era, that that's when I really, really started clinging to it. Um, my brother had cassette tapes and he had you know, like his big system and his Integra and he would, you know, like he would be bumping uh, different stuff. I'd take tapes out of his and dub them so I could have them. And, and um, you know, there used to be a place all with music uh, that was in brick. There used to be a place called Soundwaves in Manasquan that I used to literally walk to. And um, and I would save my milk money and go get tapes from that store. So, um, you know, like I remember getting Nomadic. I remember buying those tapes and having it on that old sport, yellow, yellow sport Walkman that was like waterproof, but it never really was like, you, the old, you like the yellow, the yellow Walkman, big hunky, hunky ones, you know, like they were, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, so I, I initially started writing other people's rhymes and, you know, like I used to have karaoke tapes and stuff like that. I'd do it with my brother and just try to imitate rappers and, um, whatnot. And then, there was something that happened in 99. I went on a project graduation boat with all the, like all the kids that were in my senior class. And, um, I went up and did like a, they had like some talent show and I did like a, a rough rider, like a drag on verse from a rough riders song off the rough riders ride or die Two album, I think. And it was, okay. it was down bottom was the name of the song. So I won the contest cause I spit it word for word and, these guys are looking at me like, yo, dude, like you're crazy. Like, uh, and cause the album had just came out and I was, I, I studied lyrics like crazy. So, um, when the contest and this dude drew that I met, never talked to him after that, but I won like a, won like a circle, circle line cruise, like, you know, whatever it was. And he's like, I want you to make me a tape of your own stuff, you know? And I was just, he's like, you know, he's like, you ever write your own stuff? I'm like, nah, he's like, I was like, but I will though. You know, even though I hadn't done it. So I just tested myself and it was around like 99, 2000, where I actually started, started writing rhymes, started doing it on karaoke tapes first. And, uh, and then, you know, I went to prep school for basketball and then my boy had a, a studio there. So we, um, so we, 
I recorded a demo, um, recorded a recorded a demo, uh, you know, like in in '99 for like the first, you know, the first time ever, just by sneaking into the studio that was at the at the school that I was at, the you know, my buddy who had keys to it. So, all right, I just want to get one thing straight. You spit yeah. Dragon's verse from Down Bottom, which were the Juvenile and the Rough Riders compilation, at a school sponsored function and didn't get kicked out of school. No, we were, uh, they, Cause that, they, that chorus is so inappropriate for school. Uh, you know what? It was all, it was all seniors, a few faculty, a few chaperones. And you know, I got, I got away with it somehow. Good you know? man. Good for you. Other and, thing I want to shout out real quick. You mentioned all walk music in brick, right? Yeah, I grew yeah. up, I grew up at Tom's river. So in Tom's river, we only had the chain stores like Sam Goody, the wall, nobody beats the whiz. And the thing was, you had to go to that spot in brick because it was mom and pop. And because yeah. the chain stores wouldn't sell you the tapes with the explicit lyric sticker, right? So you have to go get the, the, the ride out to Brick to get the Illmatic or 36 Chambers or the new Gangstar or whatever it might be. And do you yeah. remember they had the sickest T-shirt collection ever? They, they had did. every, they had all the 90s rappers on T-shirts and they were dope T-shirts, but they only had size XL through like 4XL. And I'm a, I'm a medium on a good day. Uh-huh. But I had I had to collect these giant T-shirts. I just bought. I got. I, I gotta have that T-shirt. And then I'm in school looking like a dress. But I think I think I'm dope because I got a black sheep t- black sheep T-shirt on with yeah. some Reebok pumps and size 36 Bugle Boy jeans. But I need a size 28. But 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 your itch did not stink at that point in your mind. Oh no no! I like I belonged on you on the set of Yo TV Raps. I was the coolest kid in Tom's River, man. The- the funniest thing is now they got stand socks with Wu Tang signs on them. They got they got they, they got their merchandise everywhere. You even see the political ones that say you know presidents are pre- presidents are for year for for four years, but Wu Tang is forever. I love that. Yeah, I need one of those. Yeah, one thing I always say as every I'm gonna get to about this later about hip hop now versus hip hop back in the day. But now the one thing that's so much better is if you like a ba- a group of any kind, really any kind of music. There's so much merch available. They're always yeah. touring because if they're not selling CDs, they got to generate revenue some other way. So if you're, it's just a much better time to be a fan. You know what I mean? Like yep. if you're, if you love Travis Scott in 2020, you don't have to buy a shirt that's three sizes too big because you can't get your hands on a medium. You go on his website and buy whatever merch you want. Oh, um, which mer- is the, the game has changed. His 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 merchandising is something else. Something I, else. His, his merchandising and his live performance is. is Probably the coolest thing in the music industry right now, arguably, um, as far as something you can't duplicate and is unique to one person. Any effect he has on, on young kids is amazing, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, so that's how you kind of did your first demo tape and your first talent show. What's your creative process like these days? You're in a studio right now, I see behind you. Do you write in the studio? Do you write in your phone? What do you, how do you get the beat first, music first? What do you do? Uh, I always, um, always write it. Um, I might type it if, if I like, you know, if I transfer it from, from, a, you know, from a written, but I usually, uh, I usually always write my stuff just by way of habit and, uh, yeah, production, production first. It always, production will inspire me to do something. You know, if I have something in mind, um, you know, like sometimes I'll just write with, without anything, but, um, I usually have a beat that I will tailor everything to. So if you hear, you know, a song of mine, you're like, all right, he, he definitely wrote this to this beat. And this was, this is, this is its home. This is where it belongs, you know? Yeah, man, I, I, I get it. Who are some of the collaborators you work with a lot? Like I, earlier today, I was listening to the Return of the Tide CD, which I have right here. And that's Not- a bunch of, it seems like a bunch of different tracks by different producers, right? 
But then you yes, have sir. the stuff you do with, with Ewald that's kind of you guys have more of a cohesive unit. How's that how's that work? How do you decide this is gonna be a, a sure shot solo record versus this is a collaboration? How do you make those decisions? Uh so I go um so basically I work with uh different some different producers. Um nowadays I work with more producers on the television and film side. Like there's there's pretty successful ones that nobody really hears about. Um, you know, like in the popular realm, so to speak, but there's a lot of guys that I met out in LA that have a lot of success with TV and film and advertisements and stuff like that. So, um, so literally like below the radar, I'll be working on songs over their beats, submit them. Uh, I'll send them back to those producers. Those producers will pitch them, uh, get them signed into libraries. So companies can pull those songs, you know, for, for, you know, any of their music needs basically. And that's like the, the kind of game that I've gotten myself into. But, um, before that I would just buy all, you know, buy out the rights to, um, uh, an instrumental, make sure that, uh, you know, for all the young kids that are out there, if you buy, if you buy an instrumental, I'm ne I never leased a beat either, you know, either my friends used to give me beats. Um, and then when, you know, like when I wasn't, um, you know, using my friend's beats, I started just doing business and buying the beat exclusive rights to a beat so I could have the stems uh, for my, you know, for my engineer to mix and master them. And, um, and then, you know, you basically can publish it yourself and not have to worry about, you know, um, you know, the, the beats taken care of. So it's basically all rights reserved. You just give the producer attribution and uh, what on that album, that was all the beats were basically paid for. Ill Mind, uh, I got to work with Ill Mind um, in Brooklyn. He's a Jersey guy. Um, he does a lot of stuff. He's produced for Kanye. He's produced for a lot of big name people like J. Cole. Um, so working with him was cool. Um, the other guys, uh, I didn't get to work with them all personally. Some of them, I just scooped up the beats and wrote to them. And then Eric and I, it's more like a, he's that's like my brother. So we co-write and everything that we do is basically like co-written, co-produced and um, it's just a different, you know, a different feel. So um, it's, you know, sometimes it's uh, like, I guess the, the rap and the hip hop stuff I, I, I seek out, you know, on my own. And, and um, I work with one dude from, um, from Rock Nation right now. His name's Eric G. Uh, he was also a producer on some of the tracks on the Return of the Tide. So I have a lot of his beats that I've been, um, that basically I've been sitting on. And uh, yeah, so my thing is just, you know, to to keep stacking beats, keep, if, if you're not producing them yourself and you're not doing it all originally, um, to just, you know, buy them outright and, uh, and give that producer attribution. And now you have the, the ability to release it, you know? Yeah. And that sounds like good advice from other trying to rhyme and to do it, you know, the right way and, and own what you're doing and, and credit the right people, which I think is the, the best way to do everything. Without a doubt. Absolutely. Oh, I got, I got, I got a list of five of your songs. I want to talk about a little bit in depth. You cool with that? Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, man. Thank you for the, doing something. The way I became aware of you was the, the, the Todd Frazier record. I heard it in 2017, and when it came out in 2016, it came across my radar in 2017. Um, and then on, once I went down your rabbit hole, I find you have an Ish Smith record. You have yes. multiple Frankie Edgar records, okay? Yeah. Now, I've been saying since Sheck West blew up with the Mo Bombo record a couple of years ago, you did this first. And what I mean is, Rappers have referenced athletes forever, since the beginning of time, right? The beginning of rapping, that's been happening. But as far as naming a song after an athlete and then making the song about that athlete, to my knowledge, you were doing that before anybody else. Am I right when I say that? You know what, Edge? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know about people that were previously doing it. I mean, like, I know that there were, um, 
I know that like, you know, like uh, people have people write theme songs, you know, all the time. So I can't really be like the first to like claim like that. I wrote something about like, I think it was just audio biographical rhyming, you know, and, it, right. and it's, um, you know, like I, I just I thought that it was it was it's it's a it's a pretty cool concept when it comes down to it, because it's like, you know, you have somebody that inspires you or inspires you enough to write about it and. It creates a thing. It creates a cool element for for an MC as a, as a writer as well. It's like put yourself in somebody else's shoes, read an article in the newspaper, and you know, and write about that. And and situational writing and situational skills like the Lyricist Lounge used to be my favorite show when I was younger. And Wordsworth used to, you know, Wordsworth used to come up with like he always inspired me because it it could have been you know, a rhyme about, uh, you know, he had this one in the football huddle that he was just rhyming about football. Um, you know, like telling somebody not to commit suicide when he's, when he's on, on the ledge rapping to somebody that's about to jump off the building, you know, like situational stuff, just like five-star basketball camp, where they put you in a situation where you got two minutes left, you're up by three, you got the rock, um, you know, and you got to finish out the game in a situational skill. So I think that kind of, I just tried to take it to a different level and um and pick some of my inspirations and lucky enough it was there were guys that i knew or had some affiliation with and, and it ended up working out for the benefit uh for all of our benefits i think yeah man no doubt have any of those guys or those three uh frankie edgar smith todd frazier reached out did you know them before have you met them since you dropped the records i used to play ball against uh todd's brother uh charlie with him uh he used to be on our a my aau team which was the short shots uh the original short shots um and uh frankie uh my boy rob connected us like probably four years ago maybe uh something like that i always followed him but um we were never really cool uh until recently so my boy i, I mentioned him on a on, on a on a on a rap my boy sh heard it showed it to him he went nuts and the rest was basically history once you put put us on the phone together. Um, but Todd used to come into Tiffany's when I was bar back into Tiffany's. So Todd would come in with Charlie and uh, we'd chop it up. And, you know, he would he would tell me uh, we just we just get to talk. You know what I mean? So nice. it was probably around the time where he was at the Olympics in Hawaii or it went, went after he got his gold ring, um, you know, or his gold medal, rather. And he uh, it was probably 2008 eight ish or something like that before he, you know, started making his way up in the minors. And it was all, it was all she wrote after that. So it was, um, ish, ish is actually crazy because ish, I, I just was inspired by ish wrote something about him and his brother ends up reaching out to me. Like his brother, Gerald ended up calling me, um, from a mutual connection that we, we both had. He said, he heard the record. He goes, he, he saw the shirt. He wanted me to come down to the basketball camp in Concord, North Carolina with the shirts for the counselors and, you know, promote the song. So it was like literally Ish and I have a contract for those shirts still to this day. You know, it's just like um, sometimes I wish I could be at, at, at his at his, you know, every single one of his games just, you know, with a, with a boombox rocking, rocking yeah. that song out with one of his jerseys, you know. But it's, it's just just the, it's the coolest thing is knowing that they love it and appreciating it and like, you know, getting to actually literally build with these guys, just not like, you know, getting their name on paper and just saying like, you know, it's like not a cosign. It's more like a, a friendship thing, you know? Yeah, man, that's great. Those, those are those four songs. I, I love them. man. So many, if you work out, they're great. It's great workout music. It's, it's tremendous, man. Um, next, next one I got for you. 
Is She Long Gone? One of my favorite songs on Return of the Tide. And here's why. It's the fourth song. First three songs, I'm rocking with you. I like it, right? You yeah. kick off the fourth song with the, with the lyrics, I grew up tw- 15 to 25 minutes from Seaside, a child of Red Alert's 5 o'clock free ride. That's yes, how I grew up, right? That's so now I'm like, oh, I'm in, right? Yeah. It's and then you, then you start name-checking all your favorite MCs, okay? Yes, sir. How does that, how does that song come about? What made you, made you write that song? How's the creative process? How do you get from nothing to issue long gone? Oh, man. Um, you know what? It just, I, I guess, uh, Brian, Brian Shiner uh, is the dude who made him and, him and Boyas, uh, this dude named Boyas Summer made the beat, gave it to Brian, this dude, Brian Shiner, who does the B-Shine, and... He actually sent it to me, and um, I don't know what was going through my head when I when I was writing it, but I just had that old school feel, like, and it's kind of like saying, like, what's that funny feeling running in and out of my mind? You know, like, and it's like, it's like caught me in a daze, caught me by surprise, or whatever the sample says, and it kind of just has that old school feel. So I, I don't, I don't know. I kind of just took it and ran with it, and kind of, kind of gave it. Uh, a spin on like you know hip hop's still still live and well as long as you're keeping it original and I think that's the the main thing that I try to put in it like it doesn't matter where you're from even though it you know like it could have originated here or it could have originated where you know where it did doesn't mean it's not going to leak into other places and not make um you know that originality come you know like just you know it's if it's got soul, it's got soul. I think that's my that's that's my thing, you know. And, and I, I've made the argument for like most of my life at this point that hip hop has become such a dominant force in pop culture because it, it mutates and changes, right? If it yes. never, if it was just the Sugar Hill Gang and nobody took the next step to to run DMC, it's over, yeah. right? But because yeah. it goes to Public Enemy, to N.W.A., to Dr. Dre, to Eminem, to whatever is ne- to Travis Scott today, it's yeah. why we're still talking about it, right? Music that anything that doesn't evolve dies when those fans grow up right without a doubt without a doubt i agree and I, oh. i'm just I'm, I'm blessed to have come up though in that time frame because when red alert when i would get in my car after school and red alert was on you heard you heard awesome stuff when we heard the roll call on high 97 before school it was hysterical you had your raps ready you know just in case you got through to ed lover and the um the personalities were more i think uh you know like what what it was more appointed listening like I, I have more appointed listening now just from like online radio shows I listen to a lot more online radio shows than I do terrestrial radio I listen to more BLS now I think than anything um but I'll listen to some pop stations just to hear what's popping like on the pop side just to just to have you know like be all ears almost but um the programming when we were younger I think was outstanding as far as the difference in the the versatility that was being displayed there in the 90s you know I couldn't agree more. And two, uh, two guys that I don't think, they, they get a lot of credit, but maybe not even up, are Ed and Dre from Yo! MTV Raps, right? Because I, I remember that. running home from school to get home for 4.30 to watch it, right, after who's, sports or whatever. Who's the man? Great man. movie. Still holds. I watched that during the quarantine. Still holds up. But here's so, what I think they don't get enough credit for. For kids like me and you, right, that we yeah. didn't grow up in the city. We didn't grow up where we could go watch guys rhyme outside our house. It was all TV and radio, right? Yeah. And early 90s hip-hop, as great as it is, it, it's not super welcoming to outsiders, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. Ed and Dre were so funny and so personable, they made you feel cool, and they would explain to you, like, who Public Enemy was, or that Wu-Tang was a new thing. And it wasn't like, oh, you're not cool enough to come in the club. They were like, nah, come in, and we'll explain it. We'll be funny and have fun and, and introduce you to, to, to Tim Dog, this and DJ Quick. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Which is like a cool thing. And those guys were kind of like my guides through through that era, man. I can't I can't give them enough credit for it. Absolutely, man. It was groundbreaking. They were like the tastemakers, like DJ, my boy C, DJ C Reality says. Like he says, there were certain tastemakers before it became just like you know, like recycled corporate, uh, you know, corporate stuff, you know. Um, but I, you know, like I think the 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 differential is 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 dramatic when you or, or like it's it's huge when you look at the a lot of the things do sound the same. I'm not saying I'm not a fan of like. 808s and you know and the and the crazy hi hats that, that a lot of like the uh, the new stuff has. I'm not like opposed to it, but I am opposed to everything sounding like the next man's stuff. It's something that I can't I can't you know like I can't I can never get down with it. Yeah, and I I I think part of that is without records. You you're in this profession way more than I am. But if there's no record labels and no barriers to entry, and anybody can get on a computer that it's open source software. And make a beat that sounds like Metro Boomin, or make yeah. a beat that sounds like Hit Boy. It's so much easier to mimic what's already popular. Whereas in a, there was no way you could do that with the amount of equipment that was needed, the amount of expertise that was needed to make a song 30 years ago. Now, I mean, I, I hate when people say anybody can make a rap song. I don't, and not anybody can make a rap song. Not anybody can make a good rap song, right? Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. But um. But it's much easier to, to mimic styles and kind of copycat people now than ever was before because it, everything's done on these computers. And so kids do it on their phones, which yeah. is not something you could have done when we, when we were coming up. Next yeah, song I want to talk about, one of my favorites. It's not on an album, I don't think it's a one-off you dropped. It's called Say Ah, right? Yeah. The original version, a live version. And why, that to me sounds like, I want to see if this is where you were when you were writing it. You're out with your boys, maybe some guys, some girls. It's like happy hour, sun's going down, maybe it's Beachcomber, maybe it's JR's. And you're like, I should go home and call the night or go home and take a shower or come back out later. And somebody's like, nah, man, we're just staying out in our beach clothes all night. And you do it and have a great time. That's yeah. what that song sounds like to me. Is it, that, it, that yeah. kind of where you are when you're, when you're writing that or am I wrong? Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, you know what's cool with me, and is that the fact that you can paint it, like, you, that it takes you there. You know, like when, when we did the video, we tried to make it very beachy, you know, like very like, you know, like by the docks, like, you know, like just having a good time. Um, the funny thing about that song is that Eric had Eric. Eric hadn't finished it. It was just like it was as is with like blank. I think he had a first verse on it and like uh, and like the and parts of the parts of the hook, like just the beginning. If you're ready, we can try until the summer come like we don't give a what. If you're ready, say yeah. And then it was like, you know, like he had that first part done, but the rest of it was blank. And I was just like, yo, let me like, let me sit with that. Send me that. And um, we ended up just like, you know, bringing it all together. And I think uh, two versions, one with the live band, you know, like it brought it to life even more. Got the solo sax factor in there. And like, you know, like it's just, uh, it's just one of those jams, man, where you literally, if you put, it's a microwavable joint. Like, you know, like if, if, if I had a hundred grand to put it into, you know, like to put it on, you know, national ads and be on billboards throughout the country with, you know, like that, a promo from the video flying, you know, we'd, we'd be in good standing with that track, I think, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, man. It's a, I, I, one of my favorite lines, I think it's Eric saying, sick of the same girls, sick of the same guys, right? It, and I it, feel like if you, in our world, that's such a thing, right? The bar regulars are always there when you perform, or in my case, when I do stand-up. And at yeah. some point, you're sick of the same girls, sick of the same guys, and then they become your friends, right? Yeah. And then you're like, if the guy at the end of the bar is not there, like, where is he? Has something happened? Why is he not here tonight? That's um, my 
my regular now. That's my regular. Yeah, yeah that's one of my fans now. Um, and I always feel like it's a weird thing when you're in the game like we are. There's those people you think you're sick of seeing, but then if they take a night off, you're kind of like, whoa, whoa, what's what's going on here? You know um, what? And it's funny too because a lot of married people like that song. Like you know, my brother and his wife, and, and you know, like my sister-in-law, they love that joint. They're happily married but i think at some point they were both playing people you know and it's like a player's anthem in that kind of way you know like whether they're happy now and they they get to reflect through the song like at least they had that mentality at some point i think that's cool and it appeals to older people and younger people it's like all ages welcome you know yeah man because either you're, you're living it right now or you're reminiscing about when you were living it at least i'm happily married myself but that doesn't mean i don't like playing that song when i drive down the boulevard and seaside on a hot friday night it just got a good feel to it, you know? And, sp- and speaking of feel, the other one, one of your songs I really like is Divine Feel. How's uh-huh. that? I think it, it sounds powerful sonically, right? And then yes. your, your bars are great for that, right? I think the first time I met you, I told you that was like my treadmill song of the summer. Um, yes, how's that come about, man? Uh, that one uh, that one was Matt, uh, Matt, Matty Harant, the uh, kid who mixes and masters all my stuff. Um, he's like... He's like the he's like the guy that you want on standby that's gonna have your have your have your song sounding radio ready the next day if you needed to um, you know like he's he is uh, he's a he's a rider you know what I mean so um, he he actually is a drummer too not only is he an engineer but he's a drummer too and he produces so he he made the answer he made the Todd Frazier beat he made Divine Feel. Um, He's made a he's made a lot of stuff. He did the he, he did the beat for the intro that I did for the Champ and the Tramp um, podcast for Frankie and Roger. The uh, the 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 little intro that 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 you know that I did for them. He made that. He made the beat for that. So um, that was just like a beat that just kept marinating on, and I kept writing bar like kept writing bars to it. It really didn't have much of a hook. Just a, a small little pause in the break, you know where, and then you just go back in. So I think it's just. Um, you know, like, right. I don't know. Writing, writing that kind of those kind of those kind of things that that that's in that song is just like, you know, um, I, I don't know. It's like a for the love thing. You know, it's like a it, it's just like, you know, you, you want to have a prowess on the mic. You want to have bars that you, you, nobody else is going to say. Like, you know, when I when when I like to get bitten by red jellyfish is when I might quit and just be sarcastic with it, you know. But somebody from the shore would be like, jelly, red jellyfish, dude. What, what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it right. sucks bit by red jellyfish, you know? But, um, <laughs> you know, just like, just little stuff like that, Edge, you know? I'm sorry, can you repeat that producer's name for everybody? Yeah, I call him the mix master and champ, Matt Horan. Okay, I, I would shout him out, man, because he should go look for work scoring, like, Rocky movies and Nike commercials. Because every song you just said is, like, a perfect workout song. He's got to go, I think he got to go pursue that. You know um, what? We've, uh, you know what, there's, there's a few things that I'm, I'm trying to do. Like literally it would be amazing if every time Todd hit a dinger, you know, if he was at, you know, like if he was at, a, in, you know, in the stadium, literally if the, if the guy on the soundboard had, had, had that track and even played like a five seconds of the hook, like I think about those things. I think they're obtainable. I think about getting my stuff to whoever ESPN's pulling from and getting it in those catalogs so they can use my music. But there's a lot of steps that it takes to get in those, in those, um, you know, in that line of play and I'm working on it. So there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity for TV and film. And I want to definitely pass that on to artists once I'm successful enough with enough hits and placements uh, to, to really show them that they could be rock stars without being 
rock stars on TV, so to speak, all up on the tel- like, you know, behind the scenes as opposed to in, on the screen. Yeah, man, love it. And speaking of, of the Todd Frazier song and ways to, to work that into mass media, I think I told you this already, I want to say it on the podcast. Uh, my, my good friend and comedian, Taylor Allen, who is an upcoming guest on the Me and Because podcast, he does a, a comedy show live podcast every year at House of Independence where the Super Bowl is on a big movie screen, and then every quarter different people come up and do their thing, right? So not this year. The year before, I went on a, I was wearing a Todd Frazier White Sox t-shirt and went on a rant about how much I love Todd Frazier, right? Completely yeah. unprepared. Uh, my, my man Jim Norton, his name is Jim Norton, he's a sound man over at House Independence, drops the Frankie Edgar song, and everybody's vibing out to it for about a minute, right? Yeah. Um, now, this is two Super Bowls ago, and there's a couple hundred people in the venue, right? Till yeah. this day, when I run into anybody that was there, the bouncers, the DJ, the sound man, any of the bartenders, they're like, you're the Todd Frazier guy. And you're I'm like, t- yeah, but I'm like, I like Todd Frazier. I did a bunch of other stuff at House Independence, too. You guys remember any of that? And they're like, that, no, man, you love Todd Frazier. Yeah, it's, no, it's the truth, though, Ange. It's like yeah. uh, some people still call me Show Love just because of that record, just because of Sandy. They'll be like, what up, Show Love? You know what yeah, I mean? Man, it's, it's crazy it's, the way it, that works. But it's, it's better people calling you that than not remembering your name, right? Absolutely, brother. I'll take it. I'll take it. There's, there's one more song I got to ask you about because I told my daughter I would. It's her favorite song. Or it's worthwhile, right? Yeah. I got two questions. There's two yeah. vocal samples in there I want to know about. Who's All the right. little girl in the beginning that says, Sure Shot, Where Are You? Because that's her yeah. favorite part. That's my niece, Brooke. That's my okay. that's my niece, Brooke. So, Brookie, uh, I, I, I got that on a voice note that she had sent me. And played it on the microphone for Maddie, and he and he locked it right in. And then and then the other one is at the end is Uncle Pat. I got raps. Is my my nephew Luke. So nice. Now yeah. there's one of the shout out to those those kids definitely. But in the middle there's a sam- it might be a sample, it might be you. I don't know. But says why are you still <laughs> rapping, Patty? It, it's me. Okay. So here's my question: Is that a question you get a lot as an adult that's still doing music? Do you ever have to really answer? You answer the question pretty good after that that line of the song lyrically. But do you have friends and family that are kind of like, come on, man, why why are you still still doing this, or do they all get it? I think some. I think in the back of their heads, they can't relate to 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 it sometimes. Like you know, everybody thinks that you know, like a, a you know, a house, a wife, uh, you know, and a white picket fence is 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 the life, you know. And I I, I don't like it's not it's not that I don't like. Uh, I don't know. I think everybody just has alternate routes. You know, some people take alternate routes and I, you know, I, I respect like here you have a family and you still chase your passions. You do what you need to do, but you still keep your passion at the forefront of your life. Um, there's people that I think shun their passions, do what they need to do. And maybe they'll do what they have, you know, do what they have to do until they can do what they want to do after. Um, I think I just went, I made a lot of sacrifices, you know, instead of, having a lot of real estate, you know, I have, I have songs and that's my kind of, those are my babies. Those are my family. And, you know, like, and until I have them in the right homes being taken care of, I'll fight, you know, I'll fight to be the best father figure I can for those songs, you know? That's a great analogy, man. You know, and, um, you know, and it's easy to, it's easy to give up and, and, and to look back and to be like, oh, you know what? There's so much talent. What could this possibly mean? How, how significant could this be in the big, in the big, you know, scheme of things. But after you do a show and you have, you know, and you see that your message resonates with somebody, you know, and, you know, like you could, you could, you could go up there, perform and not be a good performer. Um, and find out quick that you have to you have to enhance your skills to, to to leave an impact in somebody because a lot of people that are above you that have more money in their show 
or making it a lot more entertaining with a lot more effects than you might have. But so if you have, you know, if you just have a couple musicians or you're up there solo with a DJ or you're just up there by yourself with a microphone, learning how to, you know, showmanship is an art in itself. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's just a lot of avenues that I'm not, you know, finished tackling, whether it's performing, whether it's music publishing, whether it's, you know, just uh, just different different things that I still am really, really passionate about. And I, I would love to end up teaching it one day. So I do not you know, I, I don't regret working the odd jobs. Hindsight is 2020 for me. I could have went different routes, but I like keeping odd jobs and I like keeping my passion at the forefront, you know. That's a great message, man. I think uh, life without passion, you can always a life not worth living. So I, I think one thing that's great, I think guys like me and you that have kind of found what we really love and have been able to do that while having you know, other lives still functioning, I think it's a great thing. I think a lot of people can't figure that out. Um, yeah. it, do, it doesn't turn out so well for everybody. But, you know, my, my attitude's always been I want to I have a family, I want to have a house, I want my daughter and my wife to have a great life, but I also want to go on stage and make people laugh a couple times a week. And I, to me, if there's seven nights a week, I can do three or four performing, and I can do three or four at home watching Netflix with my wife or playing with my daughter, and we can all be happy. You know what I mean? That's you kind know, of what we kind of figured out. You know what? And I respect that you can juggle, you can juggle all that and and take on that much responsibility and keep it and and keep it going because I, I salute that, Angelo, because it's not easy. You know, it's not easy. You, you know, people get caught up in their career, they forget about their gifts. You know, they it gets pushed to the back. You know, there's a lot of life can happen. You know, and, and a lot of things can arise that can move you away from, you know, like that's why I try to, I you know, I try to just be be as unaccountable as possible sometimes because you want to be able to go to Europe if 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 if, a, if an opportunity comes next week, you know, like and, and be and be able to be able to fly and your family, my family will wholeheartedly support that. They know I've been, you know, basically just trying to get myself ready for decisions like that if it's go if it's going to LA if it's going to Atlanta if it's going wherever they know they know they're going to see me and that I spend enough time with them in the meantime too you know yeah and that, that balance is important and it's great your family supports you man that's great I have I've met your mom at a show before it's like everybody comes out and supports which is which is really great man I think it's cool we're, yeah. we're both grown adults and our my dad and your family are just still kind of in on it which is awesome man yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. we're gonna go ahead no, that's the number one fan right there. She's uh, mom. Mom Dukes is amazing. She's she's always she's one of my biggest promoters too. My brothers are my brothers are big promoters. My friends are big promoters, but Mom Dukes is the number one promoter by far. Speaking of of big promoters, man, shout out to your mom. I'm gonna hit you with a couple quick questions, and then we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, back in April, you released a limited edition T-shirt with Jetty. I bought one. I know a bunch of other people bought them. I think they sold out, if I'm not mistaken. You're wearing one right now. How'd that collabo come out? How'd you do that? Um, the Jetty was doing something really awesome. They had a campaign that was uh, the Rising Tides lifts uh, lifts all ships. They're the ones who gave the helping hand. They uh, they literally said, "Hey, we'll build you. We'll we'll create you a merch store during this pandemic, and uh, for all your fans to support you. Being that if you can't do shows right now, um, so it was anybody that was basically struggling. They said, "Come team up with us in our ink department," and um, I know uh, Germ, Germ Digger, Jeremy from, uh, from Jetty. He's one of the two founders. He's a real cool dude. He's a Wu-Tang fan. He supports my music. And um, literally, like, it just opened the door up for just, a, you know, like a way for my fans to support me via Jetty and their, and, and their ink department. And then also just, uh, just collaborating, uh, collaborating with them on future, future endeavors, hopefully, man. Because, uh, you know, that'd be a one surf, one surf company that I would love to, 
really, really collaborate with and um, and do something like, you know, beneficial for either the Jetty Rocks Foundation or something locally where you find an organization that's doing good. They're the type of company that you want to collab on with, you know? Yeah, no, no question, man. When I saw the first Instagram post, I was like, that's two brands together that make sense. It's, it's, a, it's a cool shirt and it, it's a collab that definitely makes sense. Um, yes. Before we wrap it up, I'm not going to demand you keep the five, but who are some of your best MCs of all time? Best MCs of all time, uh, I would say Black Thought, um, definitely one of them. Uh, can I, uh, Method Man, I, see, I like Method Man, Gene, uh, like the Jizza and Ghostface, probably an equal amount. I think they're all, yeah. like those three are probably my favorites out of the Wu-Tang. Um, but uh, like, you know, like I listen to those guys religiously still. Um, I like... Uh, Top five though, um, Nas I would put in there, um, and uh, Guru I would say is in there. You know um, that you know like it's it's tough to say who's your favorite from the Wu Tang, but if I had one, I would probably pick Method. Um, but the Jizza is 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 amazing too. I, I never heard anybody on the mic like Jizza. So, um, yeah, cool. who do you like? Who do you like right now? Who of this decade, like since the 2010s, who do you listen to or think is worth other people checking out this decade? Um, I listen to uh, J Cole. I listen to um, you can't avoid Drake. He's on everything. He's on. He's everywhere. Um, I think uh, like I'm trying to think of some other cat. Like Joyner Lucas is nasty. Um, I think he's really talented. Um, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't mind Machine Gun Kelly. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. I think he, I actually met him in Cleveland when, before he blew up and met Lenny S with Bad Boy. I saw him, he was a hungry dude. Um, so like, I, I don't, I don't mind his music, but I, I, I like guys like Mad Squabbles out of Philly, like Independence mm -hmm. on across, like in my journey, he's one of the best that I've ever come across. He's out of Philly. Uh, Napoleon, the legend is, um, is in Brooklyn now he's nasty. So I look, I kind of look out for more independence that, that I, that I run into that I'm really impressed by. And, um, I kind of put my, you know, I put those, put those guys on my Spotify playlist in addition to, you know, like, you know, some of my favorites, you know? Yeah, man. What I feel happens too for, I keep saying guys like us, but if you listen to hip hop religiously, right. By the time somebody gets to a J Cole or a Kendrick level, you're kind of tired of them because you listen to them five years before everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I'm a big, I'm a big Kendrick fan, but like I was on Kendrick so early. By the time Good Kid, Mad City came out, I'm like, I'm, I'm move. I want to find the next Kendrick. It um, was and like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it was like so, hearing hearing all the DMX verses on the on the DMX verse cannabis mixtapes before Dark and Hell is Hot came out. Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden he's on TRL <laughs> with Carson Daly, and you're like, oh, you just found out about DMX? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, I hope you know what though, Edge. That's a good thing, though. You know what? You can you can credit the artist for that because if it's timeless, say five years from now, you know, like people are on on the music more so than they are now, or they're on the podcast more so than they are now. You know what I mean? You just like, it's, you never know, but you know, you never know what can trigger it or catapult it, but it's cool that it, it still remains regardless, you know? Yeah, man, there's, there's something to be said for, there's a lot to be said for timeless art and that it's, it's the time capsule when it came out, but it just goes hard forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever, there's a painting or a joke or a TV show or a song, no question. Um, last thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap it up. I want to promote your heart, your performance at the Harvest Arts Festival. Find out what else you got coming. So talk about the Harvest Arts Festival 
and then talk about what else you got coming up between now and the end of 2020. Okay. Uh, Harvest Arts Festival is October 17th. Uh, Ewald and I will be rocking from 12 uh, noon to 1 p.m. So we're going to be opening up the Harvest Arts Festival. It's going to be a little bit more of a small scale event than it usually is. They usually block off all of Washington Street. It's just going to be in the courtyard in front of the uh, in front of the library. There's going to be live paintings going on from all different local artists. Uh, one of my favorites is Jay Mack. Um, he's ridiculous. He does um, amazing work. So like you have you have that element. So you have live art, and there will be selected vendors, and uh, there will be music. I think the events from 12 to 5, and what they're doing in downtown Times River right now is awesome. Between uh, the Battle River Brewery, between the uh, the the down like the um, the Garden State Distillery, um, everything that's happening on down in downtown Times River right now, I think is great. The way that they block off the street for everybody to go in there, um, so I, I think it's just cool what's happening in Times River. It's the coolest I've seen it down there for the past three years, so um, it's it's always a good time. So all ages welcome to families will all welcome, and uh, oh, yeah. I'm just getting my soapbox for one second about Harvest Arts Festival in Times River and Asbury Underground and Asbury Park. I am not a civil planner. I'm not an elected official. Why are they always the same weekend? It, there's, there's fairly similar events that attract the same crowd. Why do you make people pick which one they go to, right? So yeah. I, I, basically, I do, I do stand-up at Asbury Underground pretty much every other year. The other years, I go to the Tom's River Harvest Arts Festival. Why can't I just go to both? Put them on different weekends. I you do know, the two coolest things at the fall. Why do they happen at the same time? Tell me I, I'm wrong, Short Shot. I, no, no, I totally space them out, space them out. Same thing yeah, happened with See Here Now in Santeria when we were doing Santeria. It was the same, same weekend as the See Here Now block party. Just, just go Google events that weekend and pick a different weekend. I don't, I don't, it seems so easy to let people do both events. I know. Um, all right, man, I, I, I think we got it, man. I think we covered just about everything we could cover tonight. What do you want to leave us with? How do we find you on social media? Angelo, uh, no, I appreciate the interview, brother. And uh, and social media, um, Instagram is Shores Truly, not yours truly, but Shores Truly. Uh, my Twitter is Shoreshot, S-H-O-R-E-S-H-O-T. Um, the, the, the best thing people can do is find a song they love and put it on a Spotify playlist of their own. Um, I encourage people to do that all the time, whether it's on Apple Music or Spotify. Follow me on both of those if you're if you're on one of them whatever and add add anything that you like to a playlist put me up in the mix so. make sure you go out and support sure shot if you get a chance to see him live absolutely do that because him and his boys crush live make sure you support bean mug and coffee because they support us yes sir. Me and my cousin. it's a podcast